0: Get it. Oh, oh, Bowie. Brown says, get that India. Big boy.
1: Oh. Call oh. an ambulance. Maybe come a break. Oh, what a shot! What a shot! Campbell killer! G'day folks, welcome to a rapid reaction or instant reaction edition of the tip sheet. Uh, I'm 40, a.k.a. John. Joining me as always is my good mate Sixties, and we are, well not live, but we are recording uh, at 7pm on Easter Monday, the Easter Monday public holiday after the Eels have defeated the West Tigers on the public holiday. How's it going, mate?
0: Well, mate, not long through the door after getting home from ANZ Stadium. Yeah, we... Obviously we, in a, a good mood whenever there's a uh, Parramatta win. And just quickly, before we get into things, a quick shout-out to uh, a loyal TCT follower, uh, Sam, who I met very briefly after the game, uh, talking about the footy, and he mentioned he was a, um, a keen follower of the, of the Cumberland Throw, met, so it was him and his daughter. So, uh, just a quick shout-out, and um, yeah, nice to meet you, mate.
1: Good, good to meet Sam there. And I was just going to say, this This is very much thrown together uh, on the spot. As uh, 60 said, he's just got back through the door, coming back from ANZ Stadium. So we have no show notes or any sort of uh, prep here. We are sort of just going live or going uh, instant to record here. So let's get into it. Uh, the parameter and, uh,
0: and actually, um, just on that note, it's not even called ANZ Stadium anymore, is it? It's Stadium Australia.
1: Is it, is it actually back to Stadium Australia? Okay, so there you go. That's how on, on point I am for today. That it's gone back to being Stadium Australia, so there you are. Um,
0: no, I was I was getting my floor manager here, Yoko, was giving me signals about the uh name, so <laughs> uh, I'm not going to take any credit. So at least being,
1: so, at least someone's prepared. The, the offside isn't <laughs> prepared for us, so that's why we're paying the big dollars, eh? But uh, on to the game: the Parramatta Eels 36 defeat the West Tigers 22. For the Tigers, Uh Dane Laurie, Stefano Atoikumanu, uh Adam. Uh, the, the media court it Doohy, but I thought it was Doohy was the change, but it's Adam Doohey and Jacob Little. Uh, Doohy, three from four in conversions. For the Eels, Murata Niakore started the scoring, followed by Isaiah Papali'i, a double to Tom Opechik, Blake Ferguson also nabbing a double, and Quinton Gufferson getting on as well. Uh, another bad day at the office of Mitch Moses off the kicking tee. Well, I say bad day at another one, because he didn't actually get the kick much last week. Uh, but he was four from seven and had narrow misses to the left and right of the uprights. So that sort of kept the game closer than it otherwise would have been. I'm just looking at the team stats quickly now. The West Tigers ended up uh, winning the possession battle 52 to 48%. Uh, time possession slightly favours them by about two minutes as well. Uh, after a strong start from both teams in terms of completion rates, they end up sort of being mid-range without being awful, which is surprising. Uh, West Tigers 83%, 33 of 40, and the Eels 76%, 31 of 41. Uh, more runs for the Tigers, but more meters for the Eels. Um, equal and post-contact, Eels won the line breaks 5-3, uh, played the ball speed slightly favours the West Tigers, 3.48 to 3.58 seconds. Um, and then the, I suppose the other key indicator we talk about is kick meters, which the West Tigers actually narrowly won, 620 to 609, um, and they got the only forced dropout of the game as well uh, in terms of tackling percentages, about the same, at 87.7% for both teams. And then in terms of the uh, uh, discipline, uh, West Tigers... Uh, had less errors to the Eels nine to eleven, uh, but the Eels conceded less penalties three to two, while the Eels had the run of the rock infringements five to two, which is surprising because it felt like the West Tigers got more six against. But I suppose we had a run early in the first half that helped inflate that. Oh, so that's the uh, the team stats. Um, there are some individual things we can get to too as we start breaking the discussion, mate. But off the top of your head, uh, what was your takeaway from this game? Because it wasn't pretty but the Eels do stay uh, undefeated on the season four from four. Um, they got the job done when all, all was said and done.
0: Mate, the first thing that I want to mention is a bit of a thumbs down to the West Tigers MC today because at the start of the, of the well, their pre-match ritual that they go through, well, their, their pre-match presentation, I should say, they have a, a process where they get the, the West Tigers supporters stand up with their flags and their scarves and make a bit of noise. So a bit of so pageantry,
1: like every every club.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it, he, he's going through his hype routine with that. But of course, there was at least fifty percent of the crowd there were Parramatta Eel supporters. So there was a quite a number of Eel supporters that were up competing with that, waving their flags and their scarves and what have you, and. He noticed that there were Eels supporters up and he, and he said, oh, we've got some eel supporters up there, but um, you know, their uh, IQ is about the same as their shoe size. And I thought, you know what? You don't, you don't mind a bit of banter in rugby league, but is it the MC's job to put shit on the visiting supporters? I would think not. And I would actually think that that's in poor form. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Eels just give a little bit of a mention to the West Tigers, you know, a little bit of a communication to say, um, "Listen, fellas, that's not on. It's not on at all." So I I, thought I mean, that was em- implying
1: that happen. half the people in the stadium are brain damaged with single-digit IQ or barely double-digit IQ. Quite, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. As a-
0: I said, you, look, you don't you don't mind a bit of a laugh and as I said, a bit of banter. But I thought that that was, you know, there's there's certain roles that are. That are club and in match days that are official and uh, I thought he maybe stepped over the line a little bit with that With that, That's a okay, uh, fair,
1: fair, fair conversation Zada, but um, I'll, I'll just preface the actual game discussion because I did forget to mention, prior to kick off Ryan Madison ruled out as the club takes extra precautions given his history of concussion so um, a little bit of a setback there for the Eels but they did manage to get over it um, but in terms of setbacks on the field um, there's some ball handling issues wasn't there mate
0: Oh mate, it looked it this was it was one of those games where I felt like Parramatta was in control for a large part of the game and it looked for a period there like it was slipping away. It was slipping away largely on the back of errors that just seemed to be you know, they just seemed to be nothing errors. That, like Yeah, that I mean the, were completely two... controlled. And
1: um, you, you had the Gufferson drop and the Ferguson drop in the first half that directly led the points. And then Gufferson and Ferguson again uh, combined for the fullback to be pinged for a shepherd play or Ferguson to be pinged for the shepherd play for Gufferson making a break. And all three led directly to tries for the West Tigers. So, yeah.
0: It, it was one of those games where if we had have lost it, we would have been looking at that and just say, how on earth did we let that game get away from us? So... At this time of the year, all that I really care about is getting the two points and getting through relatively unscathed. That that to me is a great result. Each week is to get the points, come through unscathed, keep up in the. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna win competitions at this time of year. But I tell you what, you can slip out of the run. Yeah, and we if we you're not getting the the wins, so
1: yeah, get the two uh...
0: points, move up.
1: There, there is definitely lessons to be learned from last year as well for the Eels here, where we had a, a equally good start on paper, but on the field we were much faster and hotter. Like we were playing much more upbeat football. We were all talk of the competition, and then we sort of slipped. So this year we're still getting the wins, but we're building instead of peaking yeah. peaking earlier. And I think that was a, a point of discussion in the post game uh, on, on the TV coverage with uh, Brad Arthur speaking to, uh, speaking to the uh, three hundred and sixty panel. And just saying, you know, we're you know, we're getting the wins and we're just building and you know, yeah, there's stuff we can work on, but you're getting the job done.
0: Look, if it seems during this that I'm a little bit out of the loop, as as I said, I've literally come straight from <laughs> the game home. I haven't seen I haven't seen any replays, I haven't listened to any talk back about the game, I haven't seen it or heard any press conferences or anything like that. So, um, any any of this that sort of comments from the coaches, um, you're basically informing me on what's been said. I thought that we played our best football when we were controlling it through the middle because to me, I thought we were rolling easily through the middle of the West Tigers. Yeah, it was the
1: and- the inverse of the Cronulla and Brisbane games where in those games we were too sideways early on and then got direct and took the game away. And in this game, we started direct and took the game away, got, got up to early 14-0 lead. And then sort of transitioned out of that into a more, you know, razzle dazzle, flashy sort of stuff that uh, let the Tigers creep back into it.
0: Yeah. And those, those errors were critical. The, it seemed like the only thing that was in the West Tigers kit bag in the first half was the floating bomb. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't they use it when they got consecutive errors that led directly to tries? So, it, but it just felt like, Parramatta were playing footy. The West Tigers were chancing their arm with the kick, but didn't weren't really threatening in too many other ways. But you know the scores got far too close, even in even in the first half with with the um what was it eight eight, eight was
1: it? it was fourteen fourteen nil I believe.
0: Yeah, was it eighteen? Well, Sixteen. 10 at half-time?
1: I'm just it was 20-10 at halftime. Yeah, so,
0: twenty to ten. Yeah, yeah. so. um Even that didn't feel like a fair reflection on the Eels' football dominance in the first half. So it it was one of those games, as I said, where um, I was sitting there, I was fairly comfortable with how things were going. And then all of a sudden, when it was a two-point game later in the second half, and I'm thinking, this is wrong. (laughs) I'm now nervous about the result of this game. I shouldn't be. We've been far too dominant in for the large, you know, the large part of the game. I, I just didn't understand how we got to that point. I, I mean, I did because there were errors.
1: Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Like it doesn't make sense how much we let them back into the game, even with the errors. But they I mean it just shows you how powerful cheap possession is, and when you when you yeah. cough it up like that, and it gives teams momentum when they're otherwise being suffocated out of a game.
0: That the worst part of that game there was the period where I think out of out of maybe five positions, we didn't complete four of them. And they were simple errors, like uh, when Junior lost it. Yeah. After we bundled <laughs> the West Tigers out into touch. That's right. Mike Aceva makes a struck. great
1: defensive play on James Roberts and drives him in the touch. Yeah. And then Junior yeah. just... And the thing was, he wasn't even trying to force an offload. It, he just no. just had the laps, let the, let the tackle get leverage on the ball without having to strip it, and then it pops out. Um, and, you know, you talk about Junior again... Reed Money kicks a brilliant 40 20. Um, The Eels look for the razzle dazzle play on the second with a little tip back from Junior to Gufferson and the ball's dropped. Uh, You know, opportunities where you could have just, you know, throttled the Tigers out of that game by playing out the set and forcing a line dropout and then the points would come.
0: Can I just draw attention back to that loss of possession by Junior? Because I have a sneaky feeling that the coaches are working on a technique in the tackle to dislodge the ball where they are driving their body into the the ball and the ball carrying arm when the tackle is pretty much close to being completed there is no raking action but by virtue of the fact that there is so much weight and um uh I'm just trying to think whether it's the drive in the tackle, but certainly the their bodies like just are the driving leverage, at the ball.
1: like on the on the ball and the grip.
0: Yeah, that's it. So the ball is becoming dislodged. And it's and for the life of me, I, I I looked at how that happened with junior, and I, it's not the first time that I've seen it. And I'm not talking about it's just occurring in Parramatta games. It's been. <coughs> Mike's, got Mike's, a frog in the throat there. A, I got a frog in the throat. Yeah, it's it's been a number of games where the ball is being dislodged by tacklers that are that are working on the tackled player and the and that ball carrying arm, and the the judgment is made. Uh, there's no attempt to uh, rake at the ball. No, there isn't. But there is work that's going on to the ball, and um, I think we're going to start to see it more and more.
1: I mean, given how technical. Wrestling in the ruck is in the modern game that is completely believable that teams are being coached to try and manipulate the ball out in that sort of uh, structure. Like, uh, it would not surprise me in the very least if it comes out at some point that teams are definitely being coached this way. So,
0: well, you can always watch. trust the coaches to come up with ways around the
1: rules. Absolutely, that, that that is what they are there to do is try to manipulate the rules in their benefit. So, and we've seen the Melbourne Storm and the Roosters, and you know even Parramatta to an extent adopt. You know strategies that you know maximize their ability to play within the rules or around the rules without breaking the rules, and that's part of being a competitive sport. So, as frustrating as it can be, and it's something worth watching. um, It'll be interesting to see how teams uh, sort of counteract that, and maybe how referees start to interpret the ruck differently.
0: Yeah. Now, I've I've taken us a little bit off track uh, (laughs) looking at these these little minor incidents, but they you know they could be. Something that becomes quite significant in the course of a game, and it could have been to today. But uh, let's let's get back onto the match itself and how it how it played out. So, um, mate, apart from um, that momentum shift that seemed to happen towards the latter part of the game, uh, what was your take on Parramatta's overall performance today?
1: I feel there were some similarities to our game last year late in the season against the West Tigers where they came out very aggressive. The first 20 minutes, they're looking to make a statement. Um, they got all the early running and the Eagles absorbed the pressure and then turned that into a counterpunch that led to three uh, tries in a row, which was really encouraging. Um, but yeah, just from there, sort of lost away a little bit. Um, and it was a game where the Tigers were there to be beaten uh, well and true, I think. And you know, credit to the Tigers for not rolling over and getting back into it. But the Eels definitely facilitated that to a large extent. So while, while that is disappointing, because you do want to see the Eels go on and post a big score like some of the other blowouts in the round, in, in one of the more uneven rounds, I think, in the history of the modern, the modern day, I have to say, um, the fact that they could still go on and get the job done when all is said and done uh, is something that I am happy with. because I think you look at a couple of guys like Mitchell Moses and Reed Marnie who were able to take control of the team when it counted and help you know, steer the ship back to bay. Um, and you know, you look at Reed's instance and I think that was a it's his fourth outstanding game in a row now. Um he kicked the forty twenty, had some really great darts from dummy half. There was another kick early in the game that put a lot of pressure on the on the field position battle. So, you know, really encouraging signs from Reed as he continues to uh grow as a, a dummy half offensively, and we know that defensively, while he's not huge, he puts his body on the line every week. So you love to see that. Um but yeah, uh, it's a weird one because I don't think the Eels are ever going to circle back to this game and say, "Okay, we got some tape from here that we're going to definitely use positively." But there's definitely lessons to be learned about playing through the full eighty as well for the boys.
0: Yeah, I thought that for the most part that first half it seemed to be that whenever we'd get possession inside the West Tigers' quarter, that we were able to convert that into points. Yeah, the, uh, the
1: conversion rate in the first half was outstanding for the red zone. Yeah.
0: There was uh, the try that I—I'm just trying to think who scored the try, but it was a—it—it um, it almost reminded me of when Penrith were toying with their opposition this week. Just um, uh, who did Penrith play again?
1: Uh, Penrith put the cleaners through. Give me two secs. Uh, the Sea Eagles, forty-six. To oh, six. that's right.
0: It Was Manly, and I think there was a there was a try that was scored where it was like they were playing backyard footy and uh, it was the, the play was slow. The, the, the players in possession just seemed to be um, walking at different points, um, toying with the opposition. And I thought that uh, Parramatta produced one of those moments as well today with um, one of the early tries. It, It just seemed to be everything was in slow motion um, they were allowed to move from one side of the field to the other, late offloads, that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, there was a try on offer. Um, I'm trying to think, was it Papa Leakey's try or was it... Uh, uh, Papa Leakey
1: the- featured a number of offloads uh, that were you know, were sort of just fart-assing around the middle of the field and then Junior gets an offload and then Nathan Brown gets an offload and then there was a long cut-out pass and then all of a sudden Papa was like, freed up to... Break a tackle or two, so that might be the one you're talking about. Yeah,
0: yeah, that is. Yeah, that's that's definitely the one that I was thinking of. I was, um, as I said, I'm I'm going off uh, match recollections rather than any sort of um, replays that I've gone over you know, since being home. So, um, yeah, look, as I said, it was. I thought we were doing everything as we needed to, with the exception of those errors, and it seemed like those errors were completely against the run of play. When you think about it, Gutho dropped that kick cold and we'd been up attacking the uh, Tigers line just before that. Then they got the the try that came off the... Um, the Luciano, uh, for that.
1: tap back, yeah.
0: Yep. And then, of course, the Fergo uh, missed uh, catch, which they converted into you 'd have to say a fairly spectacular try to Stefano Takmanu there was uh, some really good quick hands that uh, allowed them to convert that yeah Mo, Moses and
1: scooped that ball off the ground and flicked it up with a lot of skill that
0: oh yeah if if he didn't if he didn't produce that at that very moment their opportunity to score was probably going to be snuffed out but um, it it just seemed to be that those moments were against the run of play and um. It was feeling like one of those games, as I said, that could have got away from us. Thankfully, it didn't, and um, we we would have been. I would have been sitting here, scratching my head, going, "Mate, explain that to me," because I, I haven't got an answer for it. So, um, fortunately, I'm uh, in a in a much better mood with us getting the win, and actually, the the late try for me provided what I thought was a a better indication of the difference between the two teams because, in all honesty, the West Tigers didn't deserve to be within two points of Parramatta. And I, I don't want to sound harsh about it, but I don't think there was a two-point margin between the two teams in, in how the football was played. Of course. Am I, be, am I being too biased there, mate? Is that, is that too hard to call against the West Tigers there?
1: Yeah, I, like I said when I was talking to you just like little just before we went on air for our recording, it felt like a game where we were all completely in control and then we weren't for like five minutes and then all of a sudden we're like, okay, we probably shouldn't take this seriously and then we we did the business and got the, I, I sort of ignore the last Ferguson try in terms of taking the game back, but you know, we did the job with the, and I know people are trying to spin, spin it as controversial, but the Quentin Gufferson try where there's a replay that shows he is quite clearly in line with the kick and is, he's not offside because my initial inclination was actually that he probably would have been offside, but then you go and see the, the, uh, the, as much of the side angles they've got and Ferguson really lunge forwards with that, that uh, uh, tap forwards off his boot, which really helped the guy first stay onside. So, I um, mean, yeah, they got the job done. And um, as much as we can grumble about errors and about, you know, uh, concentration lapses across the team to let the Tigers back in, at this time of the year... Getting that that victory secured is all you can really ask off, ask from of the teams. And uh, to one way or another, they've sort of played up or down to their opponents at the moment. Uh, we saw in Weeks 1, 3, and 4 varying levels of intensity as they sort of adjust to, you know, the team coming off the wooden spoon but, you know, sp- showing a surprising bit of spunk. And as it turns out, you know, the, the Broncos aren't completely trashed this year. Um, they've had a couple of decent um, hit-outs and it also got the cleanest put from by the Melbourne Storm, who the Eels in turn turned around and played an outstanding game against Melbourne. So they're the sort of building themselves up and you know, they give themselves opportunity to continue to grow rather than peaking uh, this early and you know the whole tag of being in a March or April premiere. So yeah, while I think there are issues to rectify, which is natural, um, and while I am frustrated at aspects of the game, I feel like you know, getting the win is what counts um, in the big picture.
0: Yeah. Now, for me, I'm going to make a call where I believe that we are a very balanced team. That's going to be my early call right at the moment. But I think we've got a good balance in the in the team. We've got players that do their role exceptionally well. Now, we're seeing that with Reed Marnie. You've mentioned him already. Um, Gutho is just Gutho. Now, I'm going to be harsh. And I'm actually going to rate his game today as maybe a six and a half out of ten. I think Guffo would rate.
1: I think Guffo himself would probably go even lower. Um, We know the you know almost impossibly high standards he holds himself to. And um, I I didn't get out to the game live because we had a a family public holiday gathering. So I was watching the broadcast. And he had the halftime interview and the post game interview. And he was not happy. It it was particularly with himself. At halftime, he said that um, both him himself and Furgo, you know, pretty much had to account for the points for the Tigers. And then uh, in the post game with Mitch uh, talking to the 360 panel, you know he, he just said that you know too many errors and um, you know we're essentially we're better than that. So
0: yeah, so he's normally an eight or a nine out of ten. Um, his worst game might be a seven and a half out of ten. So, um, but to counter that, Gutho oftentimes his errors are simply because of the level of involvement that he has in any game. Yeah. When you know so that, his touches that are always
1: intrinsically in linked the- to every part of the game. Like Guffo is, it increases the opportunity for errors. So
0: yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, Dylan Brown, I I want to mention Dylan Brown because it's been something that I've been banging on about for all of this season is there's a, a criticism about him needing to be a lot more involved. Anyone that goes out to a game will see the level of involvement that he gets, especially in defence. The reads that he puts on, where he is shutting plays down. There, there were times today he was he was making two or three tackles in a live play, in the single live play, where the ball was slipped, and he's he's literally gone from. Uh, involvement in one tackle into involvement in the next tackle to how, shut it. How many
1: on. tackles do you think Dylan made today? Oh,
0: um, tell me what the top tackle number was. For the, uh,
1: the top tackle number was Reed Marnie with forty-seven.
0: Okay, well I'm going to suggest, uh, and this is a complete guess, thirty-two.
1: That's that. That is not a bad guess because that's an exceedingly high number for uh, any member of the halves, um, but you are too low.
0: Well, so what was he, 38?
1: 39 tackles. And he, he did miss three and have four ineffective, which is uh, uncharacteristically high for Dylan. But when you're making 40 tackles from 5-8, it's, sort of, it's allowed within the margin of error, I believe.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is... When we're talking about Parramatta's right side and how that had been um, exposed last year as a defensive frailty. I think one of the main issues in switching Dylan Brown over to that side of the field is for the defensive aspect because he provides, and it's not a criticism of Mitch Moses, when Mitch Moses was in that role on that side of the field before, but Dylan Brown is in the elite category when it comes to halves, and their defensive he he uh, is the
1: character. best defensive half in the competition. I know people sort of laud Nathan Cleary um, as a you know that sort of gold standard, but I think Dylan's much better. And that that's not a knock on Nathan Cleary. I think mean, that just Dylan's that good.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's the his movements off the ball to put himself into a position where his presence will shut down. A play that they won't go there because it, it, it doesn't look like there's an opportunity there, and you see the big boppers out there target him sometimes with their runs, and he just brings them down. It's it's no drama for him if he's got a big bloke charging at him. So um, really, imp- I thought a really impressive game from him today. Uh, Mitch Moses in attack was a constant threat to the Tigers in my opinion. He was he was probably at his elusive best, whether he overplayed his hand a couple of times, that might be up for debate, but uh, he certainly created a try out of nothing with uh, one of those elusive runs where he was probing one way, then probing the other. Um, but uh, I, I still can't go past the platform that was laid by the forwards. And uh, it's it's going to be an interesting selection uh, dilemma for BA going forward because um, I I did like the bit that I saw from Bryce Cartwright today in the reserve grade and we'll get to that um, and Ryan Madison still has to slot back in there and, and potentially Murata Nucore shifting
1: from Yeah, Murata having another great showing at centre not not as offensively dominant this week but he still went for 113 metres from 11 carries, some great reads and tackles are um, really, oh. he really jammed up those Tigers down that edge. Um, you love to see that. And then what a luxury for Brad Arthur. Azai Papali gets caught into the starting team with Ryan Madison ruled out uh, before kickoff. And he goes off for 14 runs, 160, 166 meters with a try. Um, and, you know, a casual 36 tackles, with zero missed. So, you know, outstanding effort from the big fella there. Um, but yeah, the rest of the bench gives you an interesting fifth of four, which you were sort ah. of hinting at with the Bryce Cartwright chatter. Um, you had Will Smith four minutes. Raystone 24 minutes and kicking hip grave 9 minutes so even if Ryan Madison comes back there's arguably two spots there where you can you know sort of experiment if you do want to look at bringing in some fresh blood yeah
0: um, can I just ask you um, now I'm going to put you on the spot uh oh yeah who's your man of the match
1: uh I feel did like they
0: give a Did they award a man of the SAB? There, I, a, there uh, probably was, and I,
1: hang, I'm going to hit some sources up quickly. But I, I switched off honestly, um, like in terms of the rest of the broadcast. Uh, I'll see if I can find out quickly while we're chatting. Um, but for me, if I'm looking at a man of the match, um, Junior's errors I think rule him out, even though he had a very good game. Um, I feel like we spoke about Reid Marnie, and he's right up there. Um, I think he nabbed the try assist to Tom Opacic, and alongside a 40-20 and some great running. Um, and I suppose the other one that really jumps out is the other player I spoke about, is Isaiah Papali'i, um, who you know scored a great try and um, got through got through plenty of work. Um, and you know, a sort of a, a well done to Tom Opacic as well, who um, the numbers weren't crazy in terms of uh, meters, but he scored a nice double. Um, And and battled through a. I think he picked up some sort of knee injury, but obviously wasn't so serious that he couldn't play the rest of the game. But um, you know, banged them up for a bit. So I'll I'll probably go with um, Reed for my three points.
0: Okay. Well, I I thought it was a a battle between Reed and Parapapa. I thought they were just that that is fair.
1: That's how I feel like the the best two probably were. Yeah.
0: Okay. So um, any other takes that you want to? Add from that game before we talk a little bit about the Reggie's performance today.
1: No, I, I think the game in, in some ways was the inverse game against Brisbane, as I mentioned before. Um, you know, we, Instead of in the Brisbane game where we started sideways and then went direct, this way we started direct and then went sideways and then recalibrated at the end. Um, and you know, as much as there are negatives from this game, we're relatively healthy. We're four from four. One of only two teams to stay undefeated. Um, we obviously entered this round alongside Penrith undefeated team, and we exited this round with the uh, perfect record still. So uh, we're doing what we need right now, and you know sometimes that can be frustrating. But uh, like the um, Stones used to say, you can't always get what you want, but you know sometimes you get what you need.
0: Yes, mate. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, give myself a little bit of praise here and just say anyone that was following my punting tip in the preview has again come up trumps for the two selections that I made this week, which was a, a first-half line, which I uh, suggested to go overs and to take power with this, uh, with giving away the start, and uh, also, I think, for the uh, total match points line.
1: And and for so all you right. gambling degenerates the out there, that Blake Ferguson try had some big implications because it put the margin out, the 13-plus, with the Mitch Moses conversion. So all the little wheels and cogs spinning in the games, eh?
0: Yes, yes. So... Um, Now, let's get into the earlier game of the New South Wales Cup, the knock-on effect cup. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right, the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup. Um, And as we've spoken about in the prelude to the uh, season proper, we expected this year to have some ups and downs for this team because it was going to be very much a development vehicle uh, across the course of the year. And they got a good uh, first-up win against a strong team in Newtown last week. And they challenged the Magpies today, but they fell short. So the end score being 34-28. to 28, um, And goal-kicking was what really kept the Eels in this. Um, the uh, West Magpies scored seven tries, parameters five. Um, for the Eels, it was Kai Rodwell, Will, Pel- Will Penasini, Jacob Alfa, Macahesi, Makotoa, and Tim Laffey. Jordan Rankin was four from five uh, in terms of conversions. And the Tigers, as I said, uh, had seven tries scored. So I think there was a double to uh, Keir Cooper alongside Jake Simpson, Jock Madden, Joseph A. Lua, Rhys Hoffman, and... Oh, so Jock Madden got a double-two there. Sorry, I missed that one there. And Madden was only two from seven uh, from the tri-conversions, but did add a penalty goal to his name as well. Yeah, this one was, was... Sorry? Sorry.
0: Uh, I was just going to say, I don't think defence was a priority. <laughs> it was,
1: it was not, no. And um, that, that is going to... Defence is going to be, like, the big coaching point across the course of the season for a lot of the young prospects here. Um, and that's why they're going to be playing in this grade, because it's going to be the most beneficial uh, sort of learning ground for them to better themselves. And so games like this where defense is somewhat optional um, is important for them to go back and reflect on. So for the, for the Eels here, um, we got a couple of um, first looks. Um, obviously, you mentioned Bryce Cartwright returning from a jaw injury. Um, and the other big one that fans would sort have of been keyed onto was the debut of a mid-season acquisition in Wiramu Greg. Who played uh, a really long opening stint on the way to a 50-minute overall effort, and I thought, um, while you know you could see the big fella having to suck him in in the back end of it, I thought he ran pretty strongly for the most part. Uh, he, he pumped out 105 metres from 10 carries per the uh, Fox Sports stats shed of New South Wales Rugby League, and I think he got through 21 tackles with just the one missed. So, you know, not bad for a, a guy that's literally flown in during the week and then sort of just learned the started to learn the systems for the club.
0: This is it. It was a, a strange match to assess because, as I said, the defence was not a priority for either team. I thought that the Eels forwards did a, a more than decent job uh, in in controlling the middle, but it was as soon as the ball was shifted left by the West Tigers, our right side defence was just. All at sea. Yeah, and, and that, that's um, got
1: the young combination of Pennacini and uh, Dunster out there. And, you know, they, they did have some good moments in defense, but um, by, they were up against a pretty, uh, you know, recognized centre in BJ Lallure. Um So they had the work cut out for them. And, you know, and like I said, they didn't always meet the standards required this week. And that's not a bad thing in the big picture.
0: I think if you're talking about being able to, you, you want reserve grade young players to be a learning experience Absolutely. you also want to be able to use their performances as an assessment tool for their potential uh, to first to play first grade whether it be that you're assessing how far away are they from being able to play first grade on a regular even whether it be um, exposure to first grade or 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 becoming a potentially a regular in first grade, and most definitely today was one of those learning experiences and assessments that was provided by BJ Leilua, where he was simply a nightmare for these for the, our young players all through that game. Now, um, I don't really want to do this because it's um, it's it's going to be having a shot at the officials. <laughs> uh, but there was uh, one particular early try to that, that West featured, featured a forward
1: pass and a foot going onto the touchline, quite yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Spud Spud Carroll tried to turn a blind eye to it cheekily in the commentary, but it it was pretty egregious.
0: Oh, it look anyone that was there saw it happen, and the forward pass that is, so that that was quite obvious. And even sitting almost, I, I was in the third row. Of the uh, of the ground, so I'm almost at ground level watching it. You could still see that it was a forward pass, but then when they showed Jake Arthur bundling the uh, Wests,
1: great play, hustle play football. from the young man as well. By the way, oh,
0: that was it was a superb tackle. Um, he, like he could literally could not have done anything more. Successfully got the player into touch. He knew he'd got him into touch because you saw as soon as the tackle was made. It, that he put, he, he put the finger up and basically saying, I got him, got him into touch. And I look, I know they don't have the benefit of being able to go and but the touch and the touchy at, was right there, but the touchy was right there. And he he missed his assignment not once but twice that led to that try. So, but yeah, but look, it is what it is, as I said, there uh, it's probably as much of a learning experience for the officials at that level and seeing how far away they are from being able to referee at NRL level as much as it is the players. So we are going to see errors. And I think I turned to uh, my mate during the game today, and I said, you can see why at certain times in this game, why these players are playing reserve grade.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because they're either, they're either learning what this level of football is all about, or they've still got... They've got too many errors in them to be able to be considered for a first grade selection, and yep. it was just one of those sorts of games where there was novice mistakes that were made in both attack and in, and and especially in defence, and that goes for both teams. So, it, it wasn't it wasn't a great standard. No, it wasn't, but yeah. it, it
1: was entertaining. And like I said, I'm not upset by this result because I expected this coming to the season that there'll be ups and downs, and as long as they're being competitive, I think that is a very good benchmark to meet for this young team. Um, yeah. And that sort of leads me to putting a spotlight on Will Panasani, a player that's gotten a lot of attention in recent weeks. He had a good day out of the ball in hand. He was very dangerous. Uh, he scored a really nice try getting up for a kick, um, and you know, physically with the ball in hand, he is not that far off NRL. I honestly feel like, but defensively, he's got a lot of work to do. And he got, you know, he got found out big time today. A couple of you know, mistimed jams, couldn't quite get the tackle made, uh, freed up the edge for an, either an offload or just a pass, and put Hayes Dunster under big pressure. But in saying that, he has played two proper games of New South Wales Cup now alongside two games in the preseason. He has played against Jack Bird, Brent Naden, Nana McDonald and B. J. LeLore. In four games, the experience he would have gotten out of that is worth, you know, multiple seasons of Jersey Flag or SG Ball of both of which he's eligible for this year. So that that is a big positive, even though there's been negatives for him in that experience.
0: I can find uh, lots of positives across the park for uh, the Parramatta team in attack. Uh, no question. If, if you're scoring uh, five or six tries in a game, you should be putting yourself in a position. To yeah, be able to and
1: we, that we, we saw some great work from Jake Arthur. Um, you know, not only did he score the try that set with a nice little dummy to the inside and slicing through, but that entire set, that he was just in his element. He was marshalling the team from left to right, and he had set up that try with the work done in the lead-up in those tackles. So that was a great payoff for Jake. Um, you know, looking can, for I,
0: can I just say, uh, it literally looked like he was trying to drag his team by the scruff of the neck back into that game. Yeah, that, I think that I think was, that was fair.
1: He's literally leading by example and, and dragging the team with him.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, we saw another solid game from the rig, Nathan Roach, um, off the bench, had a nice line break, which had a, a ball that was obviously batted down in the past that was not ruled six again. Um, which was then then led to a kick from Jake Arthur that was obviously played at, which did not lead to a six again, um, which then led to the uh, uh, the Tigers managing this on West, West Magpie, sorry, scoring a try with the Makatoa desperation offload. So um, that was a weird one, but yeah. Um, and the other other thing worth noting is that a couple of late additions to the team and Hayes Perham and Tom Ail. I believe that the you know, New South Wales Rugby League has come to an agreement with the New Zealand Warriors uh, to. Uh, uh, loan out a number of their uh, surplus players to their NRL squad and their reserve grade squad in order to keep these guys match fit um, and ready to go because they are not in this competition, I believe, as it stands.
0: Yeah, well, that, well that would be understandable because trying to have that many players, um, you'd need probably something like a squad of 36, including development players, um, to be able to field two teams. Each,
1: yeah, and so, you know, the, obviously the, the Warriors have been asked to sacrifice once again, having to yeah. um, station themselves in, in Australia, in New South Wales. And, I'm uh, you know, I'm more than happy to see the clubs come together and uh, help them out in this regard, because it's, you know, a very small thing. It does lead to some weird quirks for the teams, so though, Sean Russell having to play uh, two-thirds of a game at fullback and then getting subbed out, so uh, Hayes Perrin can get some um, time at fullback. But, you know, once again, given what the Warriors are sacrificing to the competition, it's not that big of a ask.
0: Yeah. And, and look, to be fair, um, I thought uh, Perham didn't do a bad job when no, he was.
1: He, he was pretty good. Put
0: back there. Given so, that he would have had um,
1: zero understanding of our structures and, uh, you know, the timing of other players, he did a good job. Yeah, and I and suppose the, the, probably the player we should round out the conversation with in terms of, uh, First grade, and we we only spoke briefly on Wirrimurrumby, Greg, but uh, Bryce Cartwright, um, yeah, played eighty minutes. Um, the ball didn't come to him that often in the first part of the game, um, but when it did, he didn't try and you know force magic to happen. He had some nice touches, and uh, as the game it became clear that the Eels needed to get into the contest. I feel like he involved himself at a really nice rate and um, helped facilitate a lot of positive football. And I think he defended pretty well for the most part. Um, if I can just find his numbers here. Yeah, he, he went down for uh, 32 tackles with just one missed and two ineffective. And he put on some shots.
0: Yeah, that, that was what stood out for me was some of the shots that he put on. Um, he was Bryce Cartwright being Bryce Cartwright at different points with the offloads where um, he, pushes, he pushes the boundary just a little bit. But I actually like that. I like that there's an element where he will attempt to create something out of nothing, it's just that fine line where he has to make sure that that, that pass is not an ill-advised one and as for, you mentioned the, the misses by the uh, referee um, uh, I, I gave I, I have to admit, I gave the, uh, uh, the ref a bit of a serve after one of their, <laughs> the West Tigers' early tries because he, he went crazy at one point, we seem to with his six-again He
1: caught a lot of six-agains early on yeah. in that contest. Um, yeah. And that really so, helped the Tigers, uh, I keep saying Tigers, the magpies in this grade, uh, march down the field.
0: Well, I gave him the Bernie Gurr advice. So he's over at the sideline, and I made it very clear. And I, I, I think I actually spoke quite eloquently. I said, uh, and I, I'm, as I said, I'm going to quote Bernie Gurr, I said, uh, mate, six-agains are very simple, if you would normally blow a penalty, then give a six again, but don't do it in any other circumstance. And do you know what? I reckon from that point on, he, he put the six again well, away. Look, look at the, the, the matching flicks
1: of the game. 60s, haven't it? <laughs> it was my
0: hand up and say, because he, he was right. He, I was right down near the sideline there. So he didn't miss. I'll, I'll say this he didn't miss what I had to say. But I didn't say it in any sort of um, uh, disparaging way. I might have said something a bit earlier that was a little bit disparaging about his, <laughs> the fact that he was calling six against when one team was um, deliberately trying to slow up the play and the other team wasn't. And yet the team that was slowing up the play was getting all the six agains. But, um, yeah, I was get, I was just getting sick of them because they were. it was one of those games where it was like, what what what's the six again for here, mate? Yeah. Why calling six again? It, and it's simple. I like the Bernie Goer philosophy. If you're going to have the six again rule, the referee calls it where he would normally have ruled it, called a penalty.
1: And it comes back to the overarching problem that we've had in discussions about the six again is that it feels like some refs are so trigger happy with it and it can absolutely blow out a contest because of the, yep. you know, the swings and possessions and, and tackles. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh so I suppose the closing question here is, you know, the um, Eels the get their first loss of the season, but does anyone come in the calculations for first grade next week? Are we expecting to see Bryce Cartwright? Um, mate, you know, obviously Will Rimmer Gregg's probably a long shot, but do you like what you saw of him in terms of a I like, NRL I, prospect I, this I like, year?
0: Yep, yeah, mate, I, I liked it a lot because I liked his form a lot because he was a handful in his carries. Um, I think there's, I think there is a first grader there in Wiramu Greg. Greg. Uh, no doubt, I am convinced he will play first grade at some point this year.
1: And I, I suppose so. the encouraging thing for the Eels is they've got such a great forward pack to facilitate his development in the NRL because they've got guys like Junior and Brownie and, and Reg and Papa Lee and Murata when he's back in there, that can play big minutes and allow him to really tee off for 15 or 20 minutes as required. Yep,
0: yep. So I liked what I saw. I think... Um, Bryce Cartwright comes into consideration for first grade selection and I think he does that by virtue of the fact that he played 80 minutes today. They were getting his match fitness up there. They don't get that sort of match fitness up there for no reason at all. And I think it's, I think it's because they want to uh, look at him as a potential selection, if not this week, then definitely the week after. But based on his pre-season, he was going to get a, a start. With the yeah, heroes. that that was you know,
1: obviously you know TCT, Ham, you know, delivers the training reports, and 60s is you know privy to a position of uh, uh to be able to evaluate players, unlike you know any other fan. So you were giving us the great you know the great information, reading the reports, and you know Bryce was tearing it up until that unfortunate uh, he got clipped in the face by a you know a boot, which led to the broken jaw. Um, so he was very much in the mix for round one, and
0: oh you know, mate, it, it, there were. There were players who, through the preseason, and it was there in the reports, they were making themselves must select. Um, Oregon Kafusi made himself a must select. Bryce Cartwright made himself a must select. Both the wingers Fergo and Sevo pushed themselves ahead of Hayes at the latter part of the mm-hmm. of the preseason, and uh, Hayes didn't do anything wrong, but they just lifted to a level where they couldn't be ignored. Um during and this was during some of the the toughest opposed sessions of the preseason so there are there were things there there were selections that to me were no brainers, and uh, Bryce Cartwright getting a start in round one was to me a certainty, and of course injury stopped that but i i as I said, I would be surprised if he didn't come into consideration this week, and I would say the only thing that would prevent it would be. Um, that maybe they want one more match out of him before they uh, select him there. But, and, and, you know, and, and it is hard to... The other point, of course, is it's a bit hard to make changes to a winning team. Yeah,
1: but you, we had mentioned that the bench use against the Tigers was really low in terms of minutes. Um, you know, Will Smith barely got onto the field. Um, we saw um, Ray Stone, who played the biggest minutes out of non-core, I'd say non-core bench players, because Oregon's the, you know, the sort of guy that's... Uh, solidified himself in the in the rotation. He, Oregon played 27 minutes, Raystone played 24 minutes, and then you got four and nine minutes from Smith and Hippegrave, respectively. So there is uh, definitely uh, wiggle room for the coaches to uh, argue, or, you know, uh, discuss amongst themselves whether they want to go in a different direction, not because a is playing poorly off the bench, but because maybe they can better utilise those minutes, um, given that everyone seems to be playing fit and, and relatively good football.
0: Yeah, and... Um just uh, one last thing that I want to uh, – and I'm, I'm actually just doing a little bit of a, a, a check now, unless you can already um, tell me the result. Um, we had – oh, the uh, West Tigers uh, gave our Jersey flag team a bit of a thumping.
1: Oh, I completely forgot about that. Um, just, going
0: to yeah, just looking here, it's 40 to 22. Uh, that was on uh, this afternoon at the uh, at the and same the... time as the first grade. But um, just having a look at that, uh, it would appear that it was a another game where um, defence was perhaps not uh, a, a priority. No. Let's say, um, looks like it was seven tries to five, yeah. and uh, unfortunately we could only. Find one conversion Yeah, which would five. have brought
1: them within ten points if Kyle Kyle had been a bit sweeter off the tee. But you know that happens in football. Um, looks like Charbel got a double, which is great to see. He's one of the players that impressed you in the preseason. And um, yeah, he
0: was. I had him down as the most improved in the preseason. So um, he just hasn't had any game time.
1: And we'll we'll uh, get a better report of this uh, fixture when we do the uh, other part of the podcast later in the week with um Joey dropping in to give us some feedback. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the, as we said with the, what we, what we said about the cup applies a lot to the flag as well, where it's a, a lot of development this year, you got, you know, some key pieces playing up in the New South Wales cup. Um, and you've got some key pieces playing down in the SG ball too. So once the SG ball wraps up, whether it's next week, depending on results or through the finals, um, they'll be better with a couple of players coming up there too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So mate, it's, uh, that, and it seems like it pretty much wraps up our... Yeah, Eels
1: sitting pretty in second place on the ladder, um, holding the you know the Western Sydney banner up loud and proud. We'll find the Penrith Panthers and themselves both undefeated. So it'll take us to uh, a Sunday night fixture against the St. George Illawarra Dragons at Bank West, uh, kick-off six fifteen, I believe, um, as we head back to our fantastic home stadium and look to equal a club record of five wins uh, on a trot at the start of the season.
0: And can I just say, the crowd there today at ANZ was 29,000. The game had been moved from Bankwest Stadium to ANZ. Uh, Bankwest Stadium could have accommodated the 29,000. It probably would have been a superb atmosphere at at Bankwest Stadium, the the 29,000. It's not that it wasn't a good atmosphere out at uh, Stadium Australia. That that is a rocking
1: house at Bankwest, 29,000.
0: However, once you start to get up, uh, over 20,000 at Bankwest, then you are talking about some serious noise that's generated. Uh, there, there was great noise generated when we had the only 10,000 there in the horrible wet conditions against the Melbourne Storm. But once you start getting up around that 20,000 mark, man, if anyone out there who's listening to this, if you haven't had a chance to get to, to uh, Bankwest Stadium, just make sure that you do for a, a game or two this year make sure that you get out there for a, a game that's going to generate one of these sorts of crowds up around the 20,000 mark, which actually is tends to be most games that Parramatta play at, at Bankwest Stadium. But it's a, an atmosphere like no other. And uh, yeah, today with 29,000, mate, it, it, it would have been absolutely pumping. Um, but that's the West Tigers call. They, um, they obviously thought they might have got a few more by and, staging and it there. They there's obviously, obviously maybe... a comp- took away that home-ground advantage. Yeah, a
1: competitive advantage to be had by moving to ANZ. Although yeah. the Eels have had a pretty good record there in recent seasons. Um, so, you know, obviously not playing Bank West helps because we're so formidable there. But, you know, it's not like we're, um, you know, chump change at ANZ these days.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, mate, that's our, that's our review. Uh, yeah, the, review the, the
1: sirens rung out and, Yep. Uh, putting the, the ribbon on another episode of the tip sheet this one being an instant reaction to the round 4 fixture against the West Tigers that's a mouthful uh, Parramatta, Parramatta Eels obviously winning 36-22 to 22. and like I said um, keeps us in second spot in the ladder uh, keeps us in the hunt for a club record uh, streak to start the season so we've got to do the business against the Dragons and then follow that up uh, who do we have in round 6 quickly follow it up against the Raiders on the road that is a tough one so um, got plenty of work to do between here and then though um the Dragons did knock us off last year when we took that game too lightly. So um this is a, a big turnaround for the Eels now to you know focus on a, a game with uh, just six days of preparation.
0: Yes, mate. So uh we'll um we'll speak again uh later in the week when we record our yeah, um so our our regular record as episodes. usual on
1: Wednesdays with a, a post on Thursday, I believe, um depending on some post processing maybe Wednesday night. So Um, If you are interested in that one, stay tuned for that. But for now, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you guys soon. Cheers.